the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association. And also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 that's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Well Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube and our experience was fabulous we got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes when we went to where we had got our oil done before it could take us two hours the service was very friendly you can really trust them super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect nice. to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Expressly is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. And hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight for the Bible Live Quiz Show. We are on the air waiting your phone calls all during the next 90 minutes. You get a chance to call in 340-9585, 340 340- 
888-528-9585. That's our call-in number here on the quiz show. We're going to ask you some questions from our Bible readings this past week, give you an opportunity to be a part of the program and answer your question, win some prizes, uh, uh, kind of dig a little deeper in the Scriptures than we we're able to do during the week and during the Bible reading programs themselves and uh, kind of have some fun with the Scriptures. Now, this week, all of our readings came from the book of Second Samuel. Uh, we read from chapter 2 all the way to chapter 21. We have one more reading from the book of Second Samuel, and then we will be making our way back to the Gospel of John in the New Testament. Uh, so actually, this is a rare year in the sense that Resurrection Sunday, which, by the way, Happy Easter, everyone. I hope you and your family have enjoyed yourselves uh, the, today and, and been able to meditate and ponder the significance and the uh, uh, the meaning of the resurrection. Messiah has come. Messiah has carried out his work of of uh, walked out his perfect walk of faith and trust and obedience to the Father, and then he who knew no sin became sin for us. And so the 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 atonement has been made. And then uh, Messiah did not stay on the cross. The story did not end there, as we know. It could not because it was predicted and prophesied that uh, the anointed one would not uh, lay in the grave, that he would not, uh, that his body would not corrupt in the grave. And so we we understand that the Redeemer, Messiah, was to resurrect, to come out of the grave, and that's exactly what we see, and we're, we're thrilled, and we get this opportunity every year to commemorate. This is not the day, of course, that uh, Jesus resurrected, but we commemorate and remember uh, the death, Passion Week, the death, and the resurrection of Messiah. So, uh, I, and every year it kind of means something new and different because your life is in a different place. You're, as you move along, as you go through the different seasons of life and challenges of life and situations and circumstances, uh, every year the, the, uh, when this Resurrection Sunday rolls around, it kind of means something different to us. And I was asking the uh, basic trainees out at Lackland this morning and I, in the class that uh, I was teaching, I was asking them, um, what does it mean to you this year? Jesus the Messiah rose from the grave, uh, so what? You know, And I let them finish the sentence. What does it mean? And boy, it was so touching to hear these young men and women from all over the nation talk about how significant, uh, and in some simple terms, some of them, what, what it meant to them that Jesus rose from the dead. And so uh, I hope that you and your family have had a wonderful uh, Resurrection Sunday, a Easter Sunday, had a chance to celebrate with other believers, and uh, that you are... Um, kind of stoked for the evening, kind of excited about what God has done for us. But we, all of our readings, and so the Easter came a little earlier this year than normal, so all of our readings came from the book of Second Samuel. We're normally uh, deep into the book of, of John when Easter rolls around, so we, it kind of matches up with our, our uh, readings there from the Gospels. But this year being an exception, uh, all of our questions tonight will be from the book of Second Samuel, chapters 2 through 18 and from the psalms 61 through 65 so i uh, hope you if you have your bible this is an open book quiz you can look up the answers if you'd like could i could i take 30 seconds of equal time you certainly equal hey well, hang on a second let me get your can you not hear me yes we can, can hear, hear you now? just fine hear you now so one kitty said to the other kitty can you hear me meow okay ah uh, okay 
Uh, any rate, this is also Passover. Of well, course, Passover yeah. Passover starts Friday night. It was Saturday, of course. And it occurs on different days, but this time it has, coincidentally occurs on the same weekend as uh, Resurrection Sunday. Of course, yeah. But, um, and Passover, as you said, in, uh, for the Resurrection Sunday, it's always something new, something different. We're exactly opposite. It's always the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, it means something different to you every Oh, year. no, that's, that's forbidden. Because of where you are, how do you apply it and how you think about it to your personal life? Doesn't it uh, take on a little bit of a different shade depending on the individual? Well, you're supposed to spiritually experience exactly as if you were there. So I guess, you know, it depends on how you see it and how you approach it. But, of course, and there were ten plagues, and since this really isn't the appropriate time, but I will tell you, you're right about Resurrection Sunday occurring later this year. Passover occurred later this year because this is a Shemitah year, and this is a Jewish leap year. Well, I didn't say later. I said earlier. Well, that's why I was helping you out without trying to bring it to everybody's attention. Is it this earlier? <laughs> uh, normally, uh, uh, Easter uh, uh, Resurrection uh, Sunday this occurs is, later this is, in the month. Uh, this is later for Passover. Okay. And see when the... I see, I uh, see. It's earlier for Easter and later for Passover. Yeah. And so actually, uh, uh, you know, when they did the Gregorian calendar... Yes. ...with the adjustment that everybody uses, the kind of kind of ironically... occasionally the two got separated? Is uh, that... Well, actually what happens is sometimes because of the modern calendar we use, the resurrection occurs before the crucifixion. How which funny is, is that? Which is really kind of... <laughs> But, uh, of course, I guess that's the reason we make a point of saying that this isn't actually the date that Jesus, the day or the date that Jesus resurrected, but it, it com- it's a day of commemoration. It's a day of celebration yeah. of that resurrection. Uh, but, obviously, in the New Testament, the two events were right together. It was Passion Week. It was Passover Week. It, they were the, that was the same week. Jesus went into Jerusalem at Passover. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you have mentioned to us many times, he was both born and uh, crucified, died on Passover. The right? historical Jewish idea is, I, don't, I know I don't want to get into this deeply, but yes, Jesus would have been born on Passover and crucified on Passover. Because of, uh, because and of like, like Moses, for example, well, and like who else? Moses, Abraham? Well, Moses, David, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all these fellows. Really? Yes. That is very, very interesting. Is uh, well, now they're all not Passover, but they died on the same day they were born. You see? Oh, I see. That's what made. So we learned the lesson of what to expect. And I will tell you that Jesus' early followers, they did consider his quote-unquote birthday to be Passover. But let's go back to the topic you'd like to talk about. All right. And that is uh, the questions from that we have in our yes. hotline. Yes, and do we have a phone number? Oh, yes, we do, 340-9585. That's the local line. And our long-distance line, if you happen to be calling from anywhere in the continental United States, maybe some folks are listening by via the uh, Internet, you can join us as well. We Our prizes won't be good in the city you're in, probably. Well, maybe one or two of them would be helpful. But uh, you can call us anyway. It's 877 630 Five seven five seven eight seven seven. That's a toll-free uh, line. Six thirty 
5757. So 340 9585 for those down here in the great Alamo City and uh, across 39 counties of South Texas. We'll be waiting your call. 340-9585. From the Psalms, let's give you a couple of questions from the Psalms. Uh, this is a high-low question. What I mean by that, it's a number, a numeric question. We're going to ask you for a number, and I'm going to give you five guesses. Boy, we're very generous. And what I'm going to do is you guess a number if you're low, if you happen to be guessing. Maybe you looked it up, or maybe you actually know the answer itself. But if you give a, a question that happens to be low, I'll say higher. And if you guess a question again low, I'll say higher. And if you go over the top and you go beyond it, then I'll say lower. So I'll, I'll do that until you uh, – I'll give you five guesses to narrow it down and come up with the right answer to this question. Um, one lesson of Psalm 62 is for us to wait patiently – Wait quietly on the Lord. Make the Lord the object of our waiting. We all have to wait in life, no doubt about it, but to make the Lord the object of our waiting. After Samuel anointed David, after Samuel anointed David to be king of Israel, how long did David have to wait to be, for that uh, promise for his anointing to, to be, to, to be, become reality? How long did David have to wait to be crowned king of all Israel, not just of Judah in the south, but how long did David have to wait to be crowned king of all Israel? And so you, I'll give you, you guess a number between 1 and 50. You can guess a number between 1 year or 50 years uh, and, and try to tell me how long did David have to wait after he was uh, anointed by Samuel to be king of Israel, how long did he have to wait to be officially crowned king of all Israel? That's question number one. Uh, here is another question from Psalm. Um, Psalm. I'm going to go with Psalm. Um, I guess this is a general question, not a particular psalm. I like this question because it relates a little bit to the readings that we're in right now. In many of David's psalms, he complains to God and he asks God for protection from enemies, enemies that betray him and enemies that conspire against him. Now, remember, uh, David was a military, uh, a warrior, a military man, and he was also a, a politician. So he had real enemies. He had people that really were attacking him uh not just uh, not just sort of, sort of spiritual, but he had real people after him. Name two people who wrongly attacked David. Name two people during David's life that wrongly attacked him. All right, now that's a general broad question, but uh, we read about some of them in our um, in our readings this this week in Second Samuel. So that's two questions from. The Psalms. Uh, Jacob, you have a question or two or three from the book of Second Samuel? Well, as a matter of fact, coincidentally, I do. I thought you might. Uh-huh. Well, uh, let's go to number two. Before David would negotiate peace with Abner and Ishbosheth, Seth, how do you say that? Ishbosheth, I say. Okay. Ishbosheth. He made what demand? Ishbosheth. Hmm. And you'll find the answer. 
in 2 Samuel 3.13. All right. So David is uh, here uh, negotiating peace after the death of Saul. Mm-hmm. Then um, Saul's son Ishbosheth um, in the in the uh, northern tribes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's this, all of this intrigue and there's all this battling for mm-hmm. the power of the throne. Uh, that is something that is so hard for, I think, some of us, uh, of course, being living here in the 21st century, we don't have kings that inherit the throne from their fathers. And so you say. Even, be- well, <laughs> even before David, uh, even before Saul's death, yeah. and now that it, there was intrigue wrapped around the idea of, because Saul wanted his son, uh, Jonathan to get the, the throne after his death and, that was one reason he pursued and persecuted David because uh, it looked like David had the uh, the gift. David had the calling, and he was favored to do that. It was just a big deal. It, of course, I guess we still have a little bit of that in that uh, sometimes people in our political world consider themselves, yeah, it's my turn. Like uh, you might have certain dining like. Bill Clinton and now Hillary Clinton considers, well, it's my turn now. I'm the, I'm the anointed one because I've waited in line and now it's my turn to be president. You know, we have a little bit of that or, or another Bush or another, you know, I guess we have a little bit of that idea that some, but, but it's not always followed through. Of course, and it wasn't here in the Old Testament as well. But before David would negotiate peace with Abner and with Ishbosheth, the son mm-hmm. of Saul, Abner was the general, uh, over the um, uh, armies of Saul in the north, he made one demand. There was one thing he wanted uh, changed. It was something that had happened to him. And so we have to tell me what that was. What was the demand that David made in negotiating peace with them? Second Samuel chapter 3, verse 13. You want to take another one there, Jacob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do this. Um, okay. I... Let's insert this one uh, about the Uzzah. Okay, do that one, yeah. Okay. In Second Samuel 6, 6. Okay. Uh, what question are you going to formulate there? Well, I'm going to formulate that uh, uh, the... Jacob has gone to making up his own questions now. He's not content with the questions on the sheet. Well, this He's is just... such an interesting one. <laughs> yes, it is. And That's true. so the ark was going to fall off a cart. Uh-huh. Uzzah put his hand on it to keep it from falling off the cart, which seems like a good deed, correct? Seems like it to me. Uh, but what happened to him? Uzzah put out his hand to steady the ark so it wouldn't fall off of the cart uh-huh. it was on. Uh-huh. And what happened to him uh-huh. as a result of yeah. reaching out and steadying the ark of the covenant? Yeah. And and if somebody would like to elucidate, they could express the opinion as to why. Okie dokie. What happened to him? Uh-huh. His name was Uzzah. Uh-huh. And and why did it happen to him? Why don't we ask another question from Chapter 6? Since somehow or other, folks, believe it or not, I wrote the questions and I ignored this great Chapter 6. There's a lot of very interesting things in there in that chapter. Um, now then... Uh, they were moving the ark at this point in time. Uh, and so I want to ask you then this question, again from chapter 6. Uh, 
when the ark had been uh, the ark had been captured by the Philistines, and so they recaptured it. They got the ark of the covenant back, but um, for a while it was stored in the private home of an individual. It was stored in the private home of an individual. Can you tell me the name of the individual who housed the Ark of the Covenant for a time in his in his own home? And, of course, we're told uh, as a result of that that this individual experienced a great deal of blessing in his family life, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, later on you read about the great number of sons and grandsons that he has, and it's very interesting to see that. But what was this man's name? who housed the Ark of the Covenant in his home. You'll find the answer there uh, in Second uh, Samuel chapter 6, verse 3. 6-3. What was the name of the man who kept the Ark of the Covenant in his home uh, for a season? Okay, if you can give us that name, give us a call, 340 Eighty-five, three, four, zero, ninety-five, eighty-five. Okay, so there that's three. Uh huh. Uh, you want to do another one? Uh, let's do one more. One more. All right. Number eight. While uh, staying in Jerusalem, while his army was out fighting, David committed adultery with Bathsheba, who was Bathsheba's husband. Okay. All right. Who? That was number eight. Question number eight. Okay. Who was Bathsheba's husband? Mm-hmm. That should be easy for our folks to get. Yes. Yeah, rather, like rather a well-known individual because of that. This incident becomes it becomes a defining incident in the life of David, which is unfortunate in a way. David had a lot of things in his favor. He did a lot of good things. He he brought Israel to the peak of its power. These are considered. This is considered. Kind of the golden age of uh, the uh, of ancient Israel, is it not under uh, David, under Solomon? Well, it was headed that way for sure. Yeah, they, they, he took them to great power and influence mm-hmm. uh, and wealth, and prosperity in the in the nation and all. And uh, so, I, but it's unfortunate he se- he seems to be remembered most of all because of um, this entire incident. It was a and it was a terrible thing uh, that he did and a terrible experience in his life. But um, I would hate for my whole life to be summed up and remembered because of uh, my failure, one one failure. But it, it can happen. It truly can. And, of course, we all uh, hope. Uh, <laughs> well, that's why we try to keep our nose clean and walk in by faith and, and walk in the Lord and be consistent with our walk with him. Uh, but this is what happened in the life of David. And the question is, uh who was this individual who was the husband of Bathsheba, uh, this woman with whom David committed adultery? Who was the husband of Bathsheba? So we have uh, four questions out there now from the uh, book of Second Samuel. Well, you've got two from Psalms and then four from Samuel. So from Second Samuel, exactly. Those questions that came. I still want to go back and ask even another question from Chapter 6 of Second Samuel. We'll, we'll give you a chance to answer those questions first, all right? Um, we'll, we'll come back to these questions from Second Samuel chapter 6. That was the thing that would, Jacob was telling me for somehow or other as I was formulating the questions 
coming from our readings of this past week, I didn't ask any questions from Second uh, Samuel chapter 6 for some reason or other. And it's so full of um, information. It's so full of, of things. that, Like, for example, as they were celebrating uh, bringing the Ark of the Covenant uh, back to, uh, to Jerusalem, to the city of David, uh, part of that celebration is David uh, gave every Israelite man and woman in the crowd, everyone who attended the event, he gave them a loaf of bread and a cake of dates and a, and a cake of raisins. I mean, that's, that must have been quite a, a situation when uh, David's cook, his bakers must have been working up all night to make, you know, for several days probably, to create all of these gifts for all the people who attended this celebration. I assume that was a pretty big, huge number of people, right, Jacob? Oh, I would think, yeah. Is that anything significant about that story? Do you all have any great uh, religious significance? Well, uh, it ties in to the fact that Michal, uh, I guess Uh Michael, the wife, the woman, uh, you'll find her response because he's very excited giving gifts. He finally learned how to bring the ark. Okay, so she gets ticked off at him. Uh What was going to be one of my questions? I'll go ahead and ask it now. Oh, okay. Why Why did she get ticked off at him? Why did she get angry with David? This is, uh, no, oh, yeah, I have another question, uh, mentioning about this person, uh, or, or involving this person, Michal, or Michael, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Why did the daughter of Saul, Michal, why did she get angry at David? And you'll find the answer in chapter 6, verse 20. Chapter 6, verse 20. So, uh, is that, that ties into this, yes. And what we're going to do tonight, I hope, we're going to, after we get a couple of these questions answered, Good. give a certain enlightenment to David. How are we going to do that? Is by doing the fulfillment, filling in the picture of Saul. Huh. It, you've got to compare Saul and David to put them together. That is a very interesting study, in fact, between those two individuals, and it helps... Uh, it, it's very helpful, I think, really, because I, I remember in my younger years as a believer being very confused about Saul. I thought, wow, this they're real hard on Saul. There's some reason that well, I, let's take up. a chance to clear that up yeah, tonight. We'll do that for sure. Well, there's our music, so we know that our first segment, our first half hour, is under the uh, belt. So I hope you'll give us a call three four zero ninety five eighty five if you want to answer any of those questions that we laid out for you early in the program. We'll be back in just a few seconds, a few minutes, with more from the Bible Live Quiz Show. The best in dry cleaning. They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? 
Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. If you're new to the San Antonio area or haven't found a church that you can call home, Check out the church directory at kslr.com. There you'll find a church near you, like Calvary Chapel, Four Winds Bible Church, Lackland Baptist Church, Trinity Baptist, Freedom Fellowship, Lighthouse Baptist, Friendship Church, River City Community Church, and more. Waiting for you on the church directory at kslr.com. With that theme, we introduce our program, The Baptist Bible Hour, each Sunday morning at 9 o'clock here on KSLR. I hope that you will join us as we bring messages from the Word of God with an emphasis on the truth of His divine sovereignty. That's The Baptist Bible Hour every Sunday morning at 9 on The Word in South Texas, AM 630 You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Uh, welcome back to the Bible Live Quiz Show. We are reading in our Bible Live readings as we go through the entire Bible every year. We're in the books of First and Second Samuel, where we talk about the uh, era, the entering into the era of the kings of Israel, moving from the time of the judges to the time of the kings, the time of the throne, uh, and of course moving a little bit from the time of the priests and the emphasis on the priesthood to the times of the prophets. Uh, now, the, of course, the priesthood is not done away with, 
by any means, but uh, it, the emphasis at least moved a little bit more toward the time of the prophets. And there's a certain prophet in the times of uh, uh, in the time of David that I really admired. Maybe we should ask that question. We'll throw that out there as well. Who was the prophet during the time of David that the Lord used to to speak to David's heart, and he brought messages of encouragement and also Mary's uh, messages of uh, of judgment of correction. Who was the prophet uh, that is mentioned several times that God used mightily to speak into David's life? Actually, can, that was my next question, but you told me to stop. Oh, I had to, I, I got to talking about that, I guess, so I threw it in there. Uh, we want to put a lot of questions out there. We need to get our listeners to call in, 340-9585, and hopefully you're hearing a question that you could answer for us tonight. So we have... Uh, Sue on the line. Let's go and visit with Sue really quick. Hi, Sue. Hi. Good to hear from you. How did how did your Sunday go? How whatever what took place? Did you get to church today? And oh yes, it was great. I went to two churches today. From my church, I went to a friend church too. Uh huh. Oh, I had a wonderful time. Well, wonderful. Did it was it was the music beautiful? And I'm I'm thinking that perhaps. on this very special Resurrection Sunday, the music must have been beautiful, and was it very celebratory, and was it a joyful day for you? Oh, yes. It was great, because in our church, we had the drama last night. We ended it, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, you know. Uh-huh. And last night was the last day, and we had a wonderful day. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. That's great, Sue. Well, I hear from John that you wanted to answer one of our questions, particularly the one about uh, this incident that happened in the life of David where he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Uh, if I understand correctly, you wanted to tell us who was Bathsheba's husband, right? Yes, sir. Who is that? It was Uriah. Uriah, exactly right. Let me. I, I always leave my... Um, May I say, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Uriah, you're right. Uriah, you're right. Uriah. Very good, Sue. Uh, do you, tell us, what do you know about this man, Uriah? The, in in uh, his 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 ethnic background, he was a Hittite, which yes. is which is interesting. Doesn't mean a lot to people today in general, but the Hittites were were uh, a, a dominant, predominant people of that era. They were very advanced people. They had advanced. They moved into meta what I call metallurgy, they they developed the use of bronze and metals before some of the other cultures. So they had a great deal. They had a uh, technological advance with their weapons. Uh, at one time, they were very controversial. Um, people who took the idea of higher uh, criticism, they denied even the existence of the Hittite people. And, of course, uh, that was a big criticism they had of the Bible because it talked about the Hittites. And then, of course, uh, some thing, discoveries were made in archaeology that made it clear that the Hittites were indeed a real people, and they were very dominant. Period over uh, over a period of time. So uh, it's uh, the Uriah the Hittite. He is called. He was uh, Bathsheba's husband. What else do you know, Sue, about Uriah? Do you know uh, what he did for a living and that sort of thing? He was a general. He he was in the military. He was one of David's mighty warriors. Exactly right, which made David sin uh, uh, adultery with one of his own officers, very yeah. loyal officer, in fact. 
Uh, he was one of the in chapter twenty three of Second Samuel. He's yes, listed I'm there. I'm right about that. Ever since you know when I was later, and then also you know it got stuck in my mind because you know today we find things like that going on in our lives. You know, yes, for committing and the cover it, you know, and not when you cover it and you committing another one, a double sin. You know. Oh, I know. When you cover it up, it makes it even more complicated. Yes. David, poor David, I, I feel so sorry for him in that sense because I would hate to have my life, my entire life, and all the accomplishments and all the things that we are proud of that that we did, you know, that we think we did as individuals, and then to have our entire life to be characterized and for us to be remembered by this great, huge mistake that we made in life. I, it's a, it's a terrible thing that happens, but of course, I, I guess it's part at least of the of the. Uh, does that happen in the Hebrew world, Jacob, as well? Is David remembered? As extensively as, especially oh, yeah. for his sin. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, that's too bad, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Uh, that's. I would hate for that to happen to any of us. Well, Sue, you're so gracious to call in tonight. We appreciate your call. Let me turn you over to John. Give us okay. a give us some information so we can mail you a packet of our prizes. Okay. Okay. Don't hang up now. No, I won't. Don't hang up, Elva. Elva is on the other line here. Let's go and visit with her. Hi, Elva. Hi. I'm glad you called in tonight. We appreciate it. What's going on? How are you? We're good. Did you have a good Sunday? Oh, I had a blessed Sunday. I'm glad. What what did what happened in your neck of the woods? What happened in your congregation and church? Did you? I went to church and I went to church. (laughs) A a great Uh, celebration, huh? Say again. We had a healing service. Oh, wonderful. Yes, and it was wonderful. A time of prayer for the wonderful. sick and for those who are, yeah. And, oh, I'm so glad you did that. That's a very and uh, and the morning thing. service was wonderful and with beautiful music. Started with Hallelujah. Ah, are you talking about the Hallelujah? The was it the Hallelujah chorus or that? There's a new song that's coming around called Hallelujah as well. Was it the Hallelujah chorus or a different song? The the whole song. The the. Uh, uh, ah. Hallelujah. Oh, the Hallelujah, Hallelujah chorus Hallelujah. itself. Yeah, from the uh, from the uh, Messiah, Handel's Messiah. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. Right. That is wonderful. I bet that was beautiful. I, it was. I I like that song. Well, let's go to our questions. Did you have one that you wanted to answer tonight, Elba? Well, I I had two, and I hope maybe I can answer them. Okay. The one with Micah or Michael or however they want to pronounce her name. Yes. Gaela, I called her. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me see. What was the uh, the one, the question we asked David. about her, what was the question we asked about? Why, we, why was she angry? Why was she upset at David? Why did get, she get angry at David in chapter 20-something or other there? Yeah. Right. Chapter 6, it yeah. It, it was because uh, David came uh, after they uh, had won the war, then he came into town dancing his, with his tambourine all naked into the city. <laughs> Is that the way it, it reads? Is that the way the Hebrew scriptures? Uh, the, well, he uh, wasn't entirely he, naked. He wasn't I guess. naked, no. But he was uh, showing a lot of skin, right? I mean, well, <laughs> right. Evidently. Right. Well, in mine, it said naked. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, it, it it says it definitely in that it alludes to his dress being a little bit more, um, um, less uh, let's say uh, modest than it should have been. At least that's. Okay, now is this why she really? Maybe, maybe this, he thought he was Tarzan. Yeah, but yeah. Is, is this why she was really mad? Let's take a moment and look at this woman. Is that why <laughs> she was really mad? 
Well, his his response is, oh, yeah, uh, I guess in English, Michael, oh, yeah, uh, you're just upset. You'll find it in, uh, like, verse 20, David said, uh, you're upset because God chose me over your father. So <laughs> we got something else going on. Yeah, there. you're right. There, 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 there's, this isn't just because she's so indignant because she's so holy, quite the converse. Yeah, she right. is angry because this guy has usurped, in her opinion, usurped the crown from her father. And and the key that comes in in 6.23, it says, Michal, Michael, daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. And, and think about this. Had she had the child, you would be reading about somebody who's petty and mean and vindictive and had a different concept of being a queen of Israel, married to David, and the lineage would have come through her, and you'd be reading about her in the book of Matthew in the lineage. Instead of... And she was in Hebrew... She was unfit to be considered the mother of the Messiah to come. And, and wow. also, uh, we would not have be reading about Solomon, I suppose. That's, that, that's right. This was a, right. allow me, I hadn't thought of that, the significance. Well, again, so Michael was not upset just because of the way no. he celebrated or danced into, no. uh, into Jerusalem. No. There was this brewing in her soul was this resentment mm-hmm. that he had, uh, Taken the throne from her father. Yes. Now, but it does appear, Jacob, early on, and maybe, uh, uh, um, maybe, um, Elva, maybe you agree with me here. It does appear early on that Michael seems to be enamored of David. It looks at like at one point in their lives, at least, there was a, they kind of got, they hit it off that yeah. they were. Right. Well, I think David was. I think Fonzie always attracts girls, but they would rather have a more reliable hus- husband like Richie Cunningham. Well, well, do you think it was? <laughs> okay. Do you think it was also because you know? Remember that uh, David was also upset that uh, I mean, not David. I'm sorry. King Saul was also upset because David was chosen for, to be king. Yes, and let's. Ex- Saul was also, of course. Yeah, let's explore this for a moment. That's a great segue. Your name is Alva, is El- that right? Elva, right? Right. Elva. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, let's take a look at this. And we, one of the things that we tend to miss, but if we compare David and uh, Saul and his children, none of Saul's children end up becoming a king. And she has no children, but he has a couple other children. One, as mm-hmm. we know, became named Yochanan or Jonathan in English. And he has a son. And then there's uh, Ishbosheth. Ishbosheth, yes. Ishbosheth. Yes. And but that's not his name. Ishbosheth is not his name. Yes, that's not his name. His real name occurs over in Chronicles. And what was his name really? Uh, or I don't know how to Now let me tell you. No. What we got is this is a cleaning up of the characters. What we're going to find about Saul is that he. We all know he went to visit the witch of Endor, right? Yes. Oh uh-huh. yes. Which well, was a sin. Huh? Uh-huh. Which was wrong. It was wrong, but there's even more buried there because in Hebrew, in the Bible, you don't have uh, words for vulgarity. There's even a word there that says, he sat on her bed. That yeah. means that mm-hmm. she was functioning as a prostitute, too. 
Uh-oh. You mean the, the witch of Endor? Uh-huh. So, but, so that's only one instance. And as we go on, then he wants the conjuring done, and he's contacting us, all these things. And so as we start to develop the picture, we look at a guy that's much different than David because David's response is when he's confronted by uh, a certain prophet, which Soapy's going to tell you in a few minutes, uh-huh. is uh, his response is, oh, I have sinned, I repent. But Saul didn't. Now, when you go back to... Sarbat Ishboseth, his real name occurs in First Chronicles 8.33. And his Ooh. real name, believe it or not, was Ish, and I guess in English you pronounce it, and help me, Sophie, is it Baal? Ishbaal? Uh, Ishbaal? Well, it's Baal. Is that right? So what's Saul happening, what, if you stop and uh-huh. you know about these children's names huh. and who Abner was, you'll realize that Saul was introducing Baal, or I guess Baal, if I've got it correct, uh-huh. uh, worship wow. into Israel. Into his own so family. So he wow. is turning his back 100% on God. I had never noticed wow. that. Okay. Ishbaal is chapter 8 of First uh, Chronicles, yes. verse 33 there, Alva. It says, uh, uh-huh. Saul wow. was the father of Jonathan, Malkishua, uh-huh. uh, Abinadab, and Ishbaal. Uh-huh. Now, so he and what that means is, if you'd like to know what it means in English, from mm-hmm. Chronicles it means man of Baal, Baal, uh, Baal, Baal. Wow. man Baal. of that other god. Jonathan and, wow. even named Jonathan was father of Maribal, which, which that so is evidently correct. there was a strong influence. Okay, here. Well, what I want you to stop and take a look at what's going on. He's Saul is the progenitor. The grandfather, shall we say. Uh-huh. And let's take right. a look. What he's really doing is he's naming his children and his grandchild after another god. Wow. And so that's what's going on. So when you, and then you got him visiting the witch of Endor. You're looking at the picture of a guy that has totally left God and gone after a false god. This is why he had the kingdom taken from him. And if you don't know the names, understand what's going on, you'll even miss the reason yeah. why in 623 it says Michal, or I guess Michael in English, uh, mm-hmm. she had no child. Every one of his descendants, because of what he did, this is not children getting punished for the sins of the father. And that's absolutely not true. It's not biblical either. But what's happening is he created the environment so his children never became kings because they were named after the gods. But when they die, like Ishboseth, his name gets fixed up to be Ishboseth rather than Ishbaal. And Michal, wow. she has no children. What we've witnessed is an end of a sinful dynasty of worshiping another god. That's why I see. the kingdom was taken from him. And David, wow, that is. Yeah. I'm so glad that you told me that. I, I really didn't put it that way. I mean, you know. I don't think I, knew, so I, I, I didn't know the details myself. I, I knew that David valued the things of God. He valued the Messianic uh, covenant and the promises that God made to Israel and that Je- Saul did not, but I didn't know the particulars. The spe- I didn't right, see the specifics. Right, right. And I guess I always kind of felt sorry for Saul thinking, wow, what did he do so bad? It was Mr. Well, let's but, go into one right, more quick example. Right, exactly. Yeah, one more quick example. We all know Jonathan. In Hebrew, it's Yanaka. Yanaka. And, but in English, Jonathan. Okay. That's a good godly name, shall we say. But he had a son. Your son. Your son. And his son, of course, became crippled because the nurse dropped him and he had 
broken feet and he became crippled. But right. in, in the, what we're reading, and unless you, somebody ties us together, you missed this point too. The son's name was Myth, Myth, I'm having trouble saying it, Myth Bothasheth. But his real name is, is in First Chronicles 8.34, Maribaal. Again, oh, a, wow. a, a supporter, uh, uh, a, a lifter-upper of Baal. Baal, Baal. yes. So, so that was Mephibosheth's real name. Yes, and so what they've done is they've cleaned up the name so that he would not be dishonored, actually. But what happens is, if you look at Saul, now Abner, the general of Saul, that's not just some guy out of the, uh, from another tribe or something. That was his uncle. That, so wow. he's, he's actually the uncle of Saul. So he's made this whole team out of his family. Right. And then he abandoned God and brought in a different God. And so the kingdom had to be taken away from Saul because he has turned his back on God. Therefore, it opens the door for David because he was a godly man. And when his sin was pointed out to him, which is heinous. And if it wasn't such a horrible, heinous sin, we wouldn't get the lesson that it can be forgiven. In fact, he wow. goes back, and this story will prove to us that children are not held accountable for the sins of their fathers because, uh, uh, help me, Sophie, I'm having to pronounce Mephibosheth. 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 Uh, this is Saul's uh, this is the grandson. Jonathan's son. The Jonathan's right. son, but grandson. And what does David do? He doesn't go wipe out the entire lineage. He finds somebody that he can restore Jonathan. Because why? Jonathan did something good. So this child, this grandchild, is not punished for the sins of Saul. The fact is he's brought into the uh, palace, right? and taken care of. So the child was not, the grandchild was not punished for the sins of the father or the grandfather. Uh But he was rewarded because of the rewards and the blessings that Jonathan put upon David. Yeah, interesting. Right. It's all so right. fascinating. And Alva, wow. it made possible by your question and your answering the question tonight. Thank you for calling in. I really do appreciate it. I was going to ask you if you, in the context of all of this, um, there was something you brought up. I, I always a kind of a follow-up question. I, I guess I was thinking of asking you. Uh, do you happen to remember the name of that prophet? We've mentioned the idea that there was a prophet who spoke into the life of David several times. And he he put his bony finger in David's face and said, you're the man. Yeah, they accused him uh, that he was the one that stole the sheep. Yeah, that he was the one that stole the sheep. You were the one. And you know, I I know the story, but I I don't know how to pronounce his name. What is the, uh, let me see if I can uh, help you. Uh, What is the, how do we shorten the name Nathaniel today? Nathaniel? How do we shorten the name Nathaniel today? If someone Ooh. if someone's name is Nathaniel, we would give them the nickname of Nathan. Nathan, exactly. <laughs> right. There you go. Nathan was that prophet. Uh, there you go. That's you not know, very I creative. Long ago, and I can't believe that I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's all right. I know sometimes we get a little brain freeze going on when we get on the radio. But uh, yeah, Nathan was this courageous prophet who spoke into the life of David, and sometimes with messages of encouragement, but sometimes, too, a message of judgment and, and uh, you know, telling him at, calling on him to repent. Uh, I, 
I, I think it's so important that we, our pastors be those kind of godly men who can speak into our lives and with the truth, uh, to both right. encourage and sometimes even to correct us. I hope that our, our pastors can well, be those kinds of men and women as well. Yes. Well, thank and, you so and, much, Alma. And let, and let me, and let me ask you. Sure. Is that why Solomon also worshiped other gods? Because, you know, he, he had so many wives. And then Isn't he that, also followed other gods. They, yeah, Jacob, what do you think? Well, of that? okay, uh, Alva, uh, you're going to. Uh, I hope you got your seatbelt on. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now everybody knows the phrase "the wisdom of Solomon," right? Right. Uh huh. And it tells you Solomon was a wise man, and we tend to take that as a wonderful compliment, but understand. That and I and I I've, I've beaten Soapy in the head with this for for a long time. So many times. Yes. So it goes in this order. You'll find it in no other order. In our culture, we say wisdom's the best. That's not biblical. But there are a couple of passages that uh, say that no, uh, wisdom is above all. Th- no, there's not. Be- well, okay, okay. We'll, we'll look at that sometime. But all right. But <laughs> wisdom is the first thing. Wisdom is that spark that comes from God. And wisdom has all things involved in it, such as compassion, such as uh, recognizing love, because when he's going to cut the baby in half, what was he mm-hmm. looking for was love. He recognizes the love yeah. of the mother. But yeah. that's wisdom. But what he right. was lacking, and this is Hebrew understanding. He, it's a funny word. Well, uh, he's lacking the... understanding and knowledge. knowledge yes. Wow. So, so it goes must, in the order of wisdom, yeah. understanding, and knowledge, yes, right? Yes, it must. In fact, there's even a, a very well-known Jewish, uh, like, I hate to use this term, but we'll call it group, denomination, whatever, that actually has an acronym made up of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And in Hebrew, wow. it's called Chabad. So it's a, a very familiar thing of what I'm saying. You know, and if you look in the Psalms and in the Proverbs, you'll say it always goes in this order. And if you go back and look in Exodus, he go, remember when he was going, they were going to build the ark? I've imbued right. him with wisdom, and he has understanding, and then he has knowledge. It says it over and over and over. So wisdom was wise. I mean, I'm saying Solomon was wise, yeah. but he lacked understanding and he lacked knowledge. It never says that wisdom well, is bad. No, I mean, wisdom is good. No, no, it's you a cannot, point, well, perhaps. How could you possibly have understanding and knowledge unless you had wisdom from God? Uh-huh. Wisdom right. is that spark right. from God. Okay. And then you have to take it. You have to develop so you understand it. Then you learn to know things. For example, Adam knew his wife. That tells the Jewish reader that he had already got the wisdom from God and he had understanding about it. But he knew his wife. He wasn't wise about her. We can all agree with that. But that's a joke. Oh, right. okay, okay. But, um, <laughs> and no man ever said it. Okay, yeah. all right. So, but the point is, that, so yes, wisdom, uh, Solomon is wise. But what he was doing was his emotions were not in any way in control. He had no understanding about decisions and justice and everything else. He only had one thing, that spark of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And therefore, he used that wisdom, which is really nothing more than emotions pretty much out of control. And he was marrying all these other women and making alliances with all these other countries 
by using this compassion and these feelings. And that but led him to compromise the truth right. of God, exactly. uh, but the true and living sure. God, and compromise, of course, his Absolutely. faith. And, yeah. Uh-huh. So you've got that going on. Now, I know that there's probably a whole bunch of listeners out there that probably think, what, I've never heard this, that's, uh, that's not right. Well, and I'm not suggesting anybody has to agree with me, but at least you've heard it. Take a look at right. it from the Hebrew perspective of the scriptures and understanding. I, to me, it always has, has made a lot of sense, the things that Jacob shared with us. And I look them up in the scriptures to make sure they're based there. And he's good about giving us that biblical perspective Amen. and the biblical That's underpinning. Good. Well, thank you so much, Alva, for calling in. Your call has been a delight. We appreciate you. And uh, God bless you for calling and being uh, such a great sister in the Lord. Uh, can you give your information to John? And we'd love to send you a little packet of, of prizes and uh, some things maybe okay. that will cheer your day for you, all right? Don't hang up. Well, you Thank all you, Alva. have a, a nice resurrection day. After, <laughs> Thank night. you very night. much. <laughs> it's not over yet, is it? Thank you. That's right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Alva, stay on the line. Don't hang up. We'll just put her on hold. That's how easy it is. You can join us and we'll visit and talk and about the scriptures. You can answer some of these questions that we have out there. Just give us a call, 340-9585. Somebody asked me this week, what kind of prices? Why don't you kind of give an idea of what they win? Well, they win some, um, they win some, uh, dry cleaning, uh, coupons. They win some, uh, oil change for the vehicle, uh, from Express Lube. Uh, they win some, let me see, uh, uh, a nature's factor, uh, carpet cleaning, and so on. They we, some some facilitating the purchase of the the Bible Life CD set if they'd like to get the entire Bible on CD. So we we got a pretty good little package for them. And and, and you are working on getting Las Papas back, right? <laughs> We're working on it. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. We've got to take a quick break. We'll come back with our final segment from the Bible Live Quiz Show. Don't go away. This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. All right, we are back. This is the Bible Live Quiz Show, our final uh, segment here. So if you want to call in and be a part of the program, win some prizes for yourself and your family, give us a call, 340-9585. We've got... uh, Jerry, waiting on the line. We'll go right to Jerry in just a moment. Um, let's review just a few of the questions. Uh, we gave you a question. It said, one lesson from Psalm 62 is to wait patiently or quietly on the Lord. After Samuel anointed David to be king of Israel, how long, how many years did David have to wait to be crowned king of all Israel? And that is a high-low question. It's a, num- a numeric question. So it's somewhere between the uh, one and five and fifty years, and I'll give you five guesses, and I'll tell you if your guess is high or low to help you kind of uh, come closer and closer to the correct answer. How many years did David have to wait to be crowned king of Israel after Samuel had anointed him as a young man, probably around the age of twelve to fourteen years of age? He was anointed to be king of Israel, and he had to wait a long time. Just kind of like Abraham having to wait so many years as well to 
have that son that, that God uh, promised to him. Now, in many of David's psalms, he complains to God and asks for protection uh, from enemies that betrayed him and conspired against him. Can you name two people uh, who wrongly attacked David in the book of Second Samuel, the readings that we've been uh, looking at now in this book? Two people who wrongly attacked David. Uh, okay, before David would negotiate peace with Abner and Ishbosheth, this uh, son of Saul, he made a demand. What is it? He wanted um, he wanted someone or something returned to him. Uh, that comes in Second Samuel chapter three. David was negotiating peace with the general, the former general of uh, Saul's troops in the north, and Ishbosheth. He made one demand. What did he want returned to him? And then finally, uh, let me see if I have one more question out there. Um, we already answered the question why Michal, why Michael was angry with David. Uh, we wanted to answer, ask you this question. What was the name of the man uh, who kept the Ark of the Covenant in his home? It's found in chapter three, verse, chapter six, verse three. What was the name of the man who kept the Ark of the Covenant in his home for a time before it was moved into Jerusalem? And then this other question, uh, when the Ark was going to fall on the ground, uh, a man reached out his hand to steady the Ark. It was being moved on a cart pulled by oxen, uh, which uh, was all wrong. It was not supposed to be done that way. But this man reached, simply reached out his hand to steady the Ark so that it wouldn't fall on the mud or on the ground. And his name was Uzzah. What happened to him when he reached out his hand and touched the Ark of the Covenant? What happened to him? Yeah. It's found in chapter 6, verse 6. Maybe so Jerry will answer that one. Give us a call. Maybe Jerry's going to answer that for us. We'll find out. You can give us a call, 340-9585. Let's go directly then. Get on the phone lines with Jerry for calling in tonight. Thank you, Jerry. Well, I've got a couple of them I could answer. Oh, help us clear them up. There are people out there waiting to know. Something I was going to just briefly mention to you as well, if that's all right. Good. That's great, Jerry. Well, good to hear from you. What are the questions you wanted to answer? Uh, Well, I think, uh, was the lady's name Rispa? I forgot forgot her name exactly. I don't recognize that name. It was a concubine uh, that that, uh, a woman that uh, was wanting to, uh, Abner wanted to return to him. Oh, that is interesting, but that's not the correct answer. Actually, actually, Jerry's got the right name and the right incident. It's just the wrong question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's wrong, got it right. He's it's right. a different person, but in, in his negotiations with, uh, with the, with Abner, who was the general under King Saul, he said, I want someone, remember he was, he was, he fought and won a battle so that he could win the, the hand of this person in marriage. And and then he he fought and had to actually there was a a prize a blood prize put out on her hand in marriage and he won her the right to marry her and then she was taken away from him and married to another man and and David is saying now uh, uh, in these negotiations uh, that he would only negotiate peace with them if this woman is returned to him now it wasn't Rispa. Uh, that was one of his concubines that uh, Saul's son, uh, uh, no, Saul's general. It was uh, Abner. Uh, that was the that was 
one. I'm sorry, I'm getting this all wrong. It was Ishbosheth's concubine, and his military general was said to have uh, slept with her, which was a, a claim to the throne. So Abner was in some way conspiring against his own king. So that's who Rizba was. And that's what made Abner turn on Ishbosheth. And that's what made Abner turn away from Ishbosheth and be supportive of David. That is correct. Yeah. But this person that David wanted returned to him, I think you know the answer, uh, but you just, you, it, We've talked about her several times tonight. David won her hand in marriage. She's already mentioned some several times. And I'll give you this hint. She was Saul's daughter. Right. You're, you're speaking of Michael. That's Michael. That was the one that he negotiated to get uh, her back. She was taken away from him and, and actually given to another man in marriage. I, Michael is such a sad figure here uh, in this. I feel... Sometimes I feel sorry for her, too. Jacob, am I just a, sort of a, an old, softy, bleeding heart? You're becoming, uh, your feminine side is showing. Oh, okay. I, I just, <laughs> somehow they just didn't live up to their potential, and they did, all of that joy was set before them, the potential that was set before them. Is that also them. known as the merciful side? Uh, yeah, and it shows the merciful side of our God, I think that's for sure. No doubt about it. Well, what was the other question? Did well, you... the other question was, uh, is a... Yeah, uh, he kind of got he got lightning struck or something. Yeah, he got uh, Jacob, he, said he got Jacob said barbecued. Jacob said Yeah, he put his hand on that ark and he got barbecued. He got and struck. Jerry sounds like my right candidate. Are you ready, Jerry? <laughs> he was struck dead. Right. Yes. Yeah. Are you ready? Tell us about Uzzah, Jacob. Hey, Jerry, let me ask yeah. you a question. You actually got it right. So here's the ark. It's going to fall off the cart. Mm-hmm. And Uzzah seems to want to do a good deed. I guess we can mm-hmm. agree with that. He puts his hand on it, and he gets barbecued. He might have even been a good person, right? Well, he, he probably, you know, he, you know, he probably did was. I mean, I'm good sure he probably paid his alimony and everything. Yeah. Having good intentions and not following God's instructions are very significant. Ah, did you, did you did I we, did hear that. We that got us, profound. we got us a winner here, Sophie. <laughs> oh, great, that's great. Okay, he didn't follow. Ask, what instructions right, was uh, that, Jerry? This, this past weekend has been significant in that uh, two things were taking place, both Passover and Easter. Right. But uh, one of the things that was significant, I think, was the the, the blood moons, and I had come to understand something this week about the background of that. And I had seen a, a, a interview on Sid Roth with the man that wrote the book, uh, The Four Blood Moons. Uh-huh. And he was saying that how he came about it, he was just loved them about the moon and art and astronomy and things of that nature. And he was looking through that and found all these t- tetras. He said, oh, they're so interesting. And he said that uh, God was speaking to him in his spirit, said, have you correlated those with my holiday? And he and he got that's how it got started. I think we've all been hearing a lot about this. Uh, you know, one of our local pastors, of course, is predominantly and prominently, uh, I think, written a book about it now, and he's kind of pushing that idea. I haven't quite figured it out yet, and I haven't decided yet if I'm quite on board with the total thing. I, 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 I'm not sure I understand it, Jerry. Here's an interesting point that that came out uh, in the discussion. He said that uh, there it talks about in the creation that the sun, moon, and the stars will be for signs and seasons, but that word season is also the same used, the word that's used in the Levitic, Leviticus and other places talks about the holy days. Uh-huh. These signs and for season are not just season, but that word. But that's the correct. That's, uh, and now, the Jacob word, has mentioned he's to, right, this he's to right, us before as well. It's yeah. the word modim. Uh-huh. And the events that have taken place have been significant. Now, 
it's also some. I was reading something for a friend of mine was saying, well, Herod died in five four or five BC, and I thought, well, okay. And I read a criticism of that, which said that Herod died somewhere later than that, and so that would imply that the birth of Jesus was possibly in two or three uh, AD, uh-huh. or, or yeah, AD I believe it would be, and uh, which would push the the dates further up, and there's some other events that would take place. I, I have that understanding but as well. Uh-huh. What's interesting is the fact that the that the uh, uh, there was a tetrad in two and and three BC as well. When you say tetrad, you mean you mean a blood moon, right? Blood moon series, yeah, a whole tetrad of okay. blood moons of two, like this was here uh-huh. in two and three uh, A.D. So there may be that implication. There are signs and seasons that God is putting forth, and said this is information you people need to be aware of, and uh, you know the wise shall understand. He was using talking about wisdom. Uh huh. Yes. And it's something that that may be prayed about because I think. I think there's something there that we need to be aware of. What would you think, what would you, you, as you're kind of studying this through and looking it through, what is the primary, um, what what do we take away from this incident? And what the primary thing, is it uh, like the second coming or is it like judgment or what is the primary thing that you think that we maybe should be aware of and and looking for based on this? You know, it says, uh, pray that you might be counted worthy to escape these things and stand before the Son of Man. And that's a part of it, I think. But also there is judgment. I I think that uh, uh, Rabbi Khan has been, you know, spotting some things that have taken place in history on the Shemitah dates. Uh And the Shemitah and all these things overlap each other uh, as far as, uh, when things happen, and uh, I was reading about a, a thing today. Uh, there was a fellow who was an economist and uh, knew about the CIA and, and their well, their programs, what they call it. But uh, he was saying that uh, they were looking at this thing and see the economy of the United States just falling apart very soon. Because of our sin. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't think we need necessarily a, a, a kind of a, uh, uh, blood moon or anything to show us that. I mean, that, that's pretty obvious anyway, but it, it might be falling in line with that, that, uh, that reality. Jacob, do you know, what do you know? You've been hearing about this as well, right? Oh, yeah. Is it long? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, the fellow that was on that show you mentioned, uh, he, is he, is he from Florida? I forget right now where he's from. But, yeah. What's, uh, what's he, his last name? Uh, is it Meyer? I'm not sure. I, I forget what. what he's the one that wrote the original book, right? It's original book, and, and like I say, that's that's where the information started coming from. Yeah, and if you look in there, and uh, did he talk about the rabbi he was consulting with in in Israel? Uh, I didn't see the book. I did. I just oh. heard the interview, and okay. I don't recall. Well, Jacob, you've talked to me before about this yeah. idea that the, about the seasons, the sun and the moon, right. the stars, right. that they were intended as signs. Yeah. Yeah. A sign comes from heaven, and is usually a good thing. And in this particular thing, it may not happen on exactly that day, but it will be supposedly forthcoming. And it uh, will be, see, that's the difference in the Bible. And in English, we say signs and wonders. Signs are a good thing. They're from heaven. Wonders? Wonders are a bad thing. Miracles are a third category. It just has to do with the change of the order of things. Uh, Something like a sea parting. That's a miracle. Somebody raising from the dead. That's a miracle. Um, so yeah, the signs and wonders, are and he and uh, Jerry is correct. It is signs and modim in the, the appointed times. And 
And it is fascinating. Well, is the blood moon considered a modim, a kind of a bad thing? Or? No, it would be. It depends, actually, uh, if it's uh, solar or lunar. Did Jerry, did he mention the difference between solar and lunar? Well, you know, the, the solar and lunar, essentially, uh, the, the pagans use the solar calendar. Aha! Uh-huh. And yeah. the, the uh, Jewish and Israeli, Israelites, at least originally before they divided, used uh, the... Uh, Sun and moon calendar. That's and correct. The, the, yeah. the uh, Islamics use the moon calendar. That is correct. He's yeah. right. Jerry, you're 100% right. May I ask you a little bit about you? What do you do for a living? Well, I'm, I'm retired, but uh, I have been involved in, in uh, certain kinds of technical illustration and graphics, but also some aircraft design as well. I see. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. Uh, in our modern world, we use the solar in the uh, Islamic world, they use the lunar. Actually, the Jewish world uses, yes, the lunar for month, the solar for years. And if you picture a clock, a big hand and a little hand. So the the solar on the Jewish calendar, just consider that the little hand. And it goes around. And the large hand will go around a complete time. And when it does, it changes the little hand to the next hour. It works just like a clock. And so you're absolutely right. And it does happen, and uh, there's some things that seem to be bad sometimes that has happened to Israel right on those particular dates, and they usually turn out to lead to something very good. And unfortunately, um, that it's not good for some other people, because that's why I always use it together in the Bible when it says, and there will be, for example, in in, uh, Micah, uh, it says there will be signs. It'll be a, the great and awesome day, and you think how could it be great and awesome? Well, the idea was it's great for some, it's not so good for others, <laughs> and so it's the same thing. Because uh, you know, for example, uh, when uh, the plague struck in Egypt, it had it was obviously good for the Jews. It was not so good for the Egyptians. Good for the ones who had painted their door seal with yes, the uh, uh, with the blood and yeah. bad for the others. Yeah. So it's signs and wonders. That's why they're always together because they're different things, and or, and so so that's what they're talking about. And when yes, and you're absolutely right when they start talking about that. By the way, since we're talking about that, and I don't want to let you go because you did bring up and you did answer the question correctly about uh, Uriah. Yes. Uh, so now. He was, looks like he's going to do a good deed, and you said something I want to visit again real quick. You said uh, he looked like he was doing something good, but he wasn't following the instructions. Would you elucidate us somewhat on that? Well, there, 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 well, his, his instructions in that particular case, he was not supposed to touch the ark because those poles were there supposedly to keep one from touching the ark. And the and, only certain per- people were ever allowed to even handle the poles. Uh, do you remember who that was? Right, those were the the, the Levitic, Levitic, Levites. The Levites, exactly, and uh, we don't know the, about Uzzah being a Levite, right? Uh, Uzzah was not a Levite, but well, now let me ask you, Jerry. Let's explore this. Just a, by the way, the guy who wrote the original book, his name is Mark Blitz. Mark Blitz, that's correct. That's I'm, correct. Yeah, I just got by the. I just got a sign on my cell phone. <laughs> a sign or a modem, yeah. one or the other. Uh, All so, right, okay. Maybe. But okay, so what would have been so bad about the ark falling on the ground? Well, if if, if God wanted it supported, He could do it. <laughs> it's okay. like ideally, uh, He wasn't supposed to do that. But um, 
Well, uh-huh. one thing we haven't mentioned is they weren't supposed to, well, I guess you kind of mentioned it. Uh, there were certain people who were supposed to handle the ark. There was the Levites. The Levites. And it was supposed to be done in a certain way with those poles, not uh-huh. with a cart uh-huh. like the Philistines had used That's to, right. to carry. Yeah. So everything was wrong in a sense. Uh-huh. But what is your question again? Okay, this is the point. With you all see. that being the case, uh-huh. what was so wrong with reaching Well, yes, out? what's the point? I mean, why would a guy trying to do something good in our eyes... Would, would he get barbecued? No good deed goes unpunished? Is no. that the well, idea? let's suggest this. For us as human beings, you know, dirt is something we get on us, we wash it off. But dirt is not dirty for God. What's dirty for God is sin. And nobody, as you, you well identified, Jerry, nobody is supposed to go near what's holy as a sinner because they will get zapped. And that's why even the two children of Aaron got zapped in the book uh, in the book of uh, in the Torah because the, they had violated what was supposed to be done holy. So it wasn't so much that they were from the wrong uh, DNA no. string, or just that they were not even not not even that they weren't Levites. No. But that they weren't cleansed. They, yes. Even the Levites had to go through a ritual they of purification yeah, and cleansing. Did. And in Uriah, I get it. His sin is what was dirty. It, there's nothing wrong with for God and dirt. God made the earth. The dirt is, does not sin. It's neutral. It doesn't. Aren't we do, actually made from. It dirt doesn't. Ourselves? Yeah, but it doesn't do good. It doesn't do bad. It's just dirt. In fact, if you look very closely at all the altars that are made in the Bible. It always, these other groups, these other nations would take like a sword or an axe and carve out these beautiful altars. The Israelites, and by the way, it's called unhewn. In other words, you use just a pile of natural dirt and natural rocks. You don't improve on what God made you use that for your altar. Yeah. Very interesting, very well, interesting. Know, it brought to mind something, too, and it had to do with Corey Tinboom and her family. Um, Corey Ten Boom was preserving all the Jewish people and saved their lives, but she lied in the process. And it's interesting that her, I think her sister yeah. was carrying one Jewish girl, and when the Nazis came, they said, look, we can't lie and disobey God. We just have to tell the truth. But the girl ended up escaping anyway. <laughs> and I like that people, story an awful lot. I really do. Obedience is better than sacrifice. <laughs> uh-huh. well, let me, let me offer this. This is an interesting thought, and I know I'm probably going to catch a snag on this. The Jews have always taught, it says, you shall wor- uh, keep God's commandments, you shall live by them, which the Jews have understood to mean that if I'm not alive, I can't do them. So life above all else is a is a tenant. It's a rule among the Jews. So you're not you're not free will. You're absolutely forbidden to go start just telling lies and just do stuff. Only in a rare instance where you are your life is forsaken or in danger or somebody else's. This is the rare instance when it is when a con- lie could be the lesser of the evils. Not lesser of the evil. You'll be dead. You'll be dead. So when it says you shall live and and do God's commandments, the understanding is I can't do them if I'm not alive. Well, you you know what I meant by that, though, is that the the greater value was the value of life. I I love that chapter, uh, Jerry, that you mentioned from uh, the book, Coy Tim Boone. I forgot the name of the book there, but um, The Hiding Place. 
Yes, there is a, she talks about this. She had a little dispute with her sister who was a little bit more, um, literal and said, no, we can't lie. And then she was willing, uh, Corey evidently was willing to lie for the sake of protecting these lives. And the interesting thing is that both of them, and, and God comes through for both of them. He blesses both of their efforts, uh, in, in a way, but, uh, that is an interesting penalty. conversation, I think. But there was penalty, Corey Ten Boom and her family. Uh, if it was, if that was the way God says, okay, don't, don't lie, don't break my commandments, because the wages of sin is death, uh-huh. then most of her family, except for Corey, were, were killed. And the other sister and the, the Jewish girl was, was escaped, and also they stayed alive. So that's a, brings to really something to, to mind to say, okay, we're, we're, how far are we missing obedience to God and what He really wants to have us to do? I mean, it's uh-huh. like, you know, when we say it comes down, one of the thoughts that came down to the law is that Jesus said, well, think not a clean to destroy the law of the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but fulfill. Whoever breaks the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least. Oh, yes. may I add? And that brings up something I think that Jacob yes, was telling me may before I the add, program. And yeah. since it ties in just beautifully with uh, signs, wonders, blood moons, whatever, times and appointed times and modem and all uh-huh. that. All right, it ties in beautiful because the passage goes on to say, until heaven and earth goes away, right. he uh, I will fulfill it, and, and it will be there till heaven and earth goes away. And so, therefore, as earth I read the New forever. Testament, it's it's, the heaven is still here, the earth is still here, so God's commandments still apply. You have been given two witnesses as signs to know when the, they shouldn't apply. They apply because the sign is the earth and the sky. Like, I think people make a mistake about righteousness, you know, and, and misunderstand something about, you know, I would not have known sin except the law had said, uh-huh. uh, you should not kill, so on and so forth. In the book but of Romans, also yeah. also tells, tells me that, uh, the, you know, we have sin. When you when the law says don't do this and you have a resentment of, of God's law, that means you, you, you need a Savior. That's what it really tells you. It tells, doesn't tell you what to do, but on the yeah. other hand, God says, I will write my law in your heart. And that was the desire to do what God wants you to do. Jerry, we're just about to run out of time, but that also brings up the principle that Jacob started off with tonight as we contrast the lives of David and Saul. Was The principle was not necessarily that David was better. He made some very bad mistakes uh, in his own life as well. But the principle was not so much that as it was his repentance, his his contrition, his asking forgiveness and seeking and receiving by faith the forgiveness of God uh, in his life. It wasn't so much that he was better necessarily, but that his he had a repentant, humble, broken heart, contrite heart before the Lord. And that seems to make all the difference. Yeah. Good way difference. to kind of summarize sure. the, the passage in the lives of David and Saul. Thank you, Jerry, for calling in. Can I pass you over to uh, John and let him take down some information? We'd love to send you some Surprises and a little thank you for being a part of the program. All right. Thank you very much. I, I hope you didn't mind my spouting off a little bit, but <laughs> oh no, it was great. You did a great job. Uh, in fact, is I think I'm going to fire Jacob and let you be. <laughs> no, you call back anytime you want. All right. Don't hang up now. Don't hang up, Jerry and uh, Jacob. Thanks so much for being with me tonight. That's all we have on okay. the Bible Live Quiz Show, folks. We'll see you next Sunday evening. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. 
San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live, Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.